Thank you, Jimmy. Well, appreciate that song also. And <clears throat> seeing as Brother Rocky was talking there, um, kind of interesting how we kind of pick up on the same things sometimes and talked about how grace has changed the world I'm living in. And my, my mind was going farther than that. Because grace has changed the world I'm living in, you know what? I can change the world I'm living in too. You know, there's a step that we need to, to follow on and, and continue to go with. And, and I thought about that, and I, I've, Lord, help me to do my part. Lord, just help me to not squander what's been given. Uh, it goes back, and I'm not going to speak on this tonight, but we could talk about the talents and uh, that which was given and uh, the stewardship that needs to be uh, used or done wisely. That way we might help those around us. Lord, help us. Well, I will just be honest and frank. This was kind of a, Brother uh, Morford getting sick was kind of a spur of the moment thing. I don't know. I don't think he planned it. Um, and I didn't plan it either. And so uh, I got a text, well, I guess it was yesterday. And by the time I saw it, it was right around, it was getting close to afternoon. And we had already had plans and we were going out. And so let's just say the preparation hasn't been uh, real thorough here, okay? Um, but... I did tell the kids to bring their Bibles, um, and then, of course, the questions are, why? And I told Brianna she's going to preach, and she's adamantly said no. Um, but what we're going to do, and Brother Alex brought this out, he said, these are a good bunch of kids, aren't they? And if you really feel that they're a good bunch of kids, then I don't want them to be all alone in this next project. I want you to show them how much you appreciate them and participate also. Two reasons, because the kids need to see you in church adamantly working, and not just, not just working, leading songs and other things, but being active in the service, and sometimes that's having fun. So that's what I want to do this evening, is I would like to have a little bit of fun. Um, we know that scripture is good for reproof, it's good for doctrine, it's good for learning, but it's also good for having a little fun in the right way. So... If I would hold my hand up, you would see I have candy. And Kira, I already know, has a grin on her face because she knows exactly what's that, what that means. Yesterday, we went to um, Owasso, went to uh, Sam's Club, and I picked up a bag of 450, I think it was, of chocolate candy bars. You know, just the different types of Snickers and all those, just the mini ones. But 450, and I'm going to use those for my sword drills throughout the year. The kids love them. And I know the kids love sword drills. And I'm glad they do because um, the word of God, amen. If, if that's the only way that some of these kids will ever get in the word, then so be it. I'll do my part. So when was the last time you've, uh, you were called to uh, show your uh, sword skills? Because I'll tell you what, I know from personal experience that the kids here, they're good. And then there's just no denying it. And uh, we might have to have them all turn their Bibles upside down and uh, make them go backwards too. <laughs> Maybe give them a, a five-second uh, delay there. All right. All right. We're going to go ahead and do this. And I, have, I don't have too many scriptures, but they do fit in with this evening. So just, just, be, just so you know, it's not just for fun and games. All right. Are you ready? Colossians 1, 28 
Colossians 1, 28, go. Ooh. Go ahead. All right. Where is Eliana? Can you come here for a second? Please, you come up here. You're going to be my lady, my candy lady. All right. Brother Dodsworth. Can you take it to Brother Dodsworth? And let him pick which one he gets. He gets candy. Hey, you get the verse. You're going to get it. Huh? <laughs> Can I say I'm a rewarder of those that... Uh, Diligently answer? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Very good. Mark 12.30. Mark 12.30. Go. Oh, Grandma Mayhem. Amen. Good job. You know, kids, you're losing it. All right, Eliana. You can just come back up here. See which one Grandma Mayhem wants. All right. Good job. I like that. All right. Psalms 119, 105. Psalms 119, 105. Go. Did you have it? Yeah. Oh, we'll say it. <laughs> wow, that's great. Good job. I like this. This is good. You guys are getting to run for your money. All right. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Galatians. 5.22, Galatians 5.22, go. All right. I would just say that Jimmy actually stood up before you did. So we'll give one to, give one to Jimmy and give one to um, Dennis over there. You know what? I have renewed faith in the older generation. <laughs> All right, we'll do one more. Galatians 5.16. Galatians 5.16. Go. All right. Well, we'll call it a tie. So we'll go. Good job. You know what? And that makes me so happy. <laughs> that, that's just wonderful. That, wow, you guys have something to work for now. All right. Very good job. Thank you, everyone, to, for, to, for participating. And for doing such a good job and keeping those, uh, those youngsters on their toes because they didn't get a one. Well, Dennis kind of got in there, but 
I like that. That's good. Good job. All right. Sword drills. Um, thank you. I appreciate that. And I, I mean that honestly because I think it's, it's good for the, children, the young people, but I think it's also good for the older people to get in there and be able to have an enjoyable time together and with God's word. You know, it's a little, we understand it's a little light, it's a little fun, but, you know, this is, I think, but part of the family of God is, it's being able to come together and have fun and not make church just a drudgery, so to speak. Um, I should have had more, but I was trying to, I didn't know how you'd take it. Most, you know, most times uh, the older ones enjoy those just as much as younger ones, I think. And I, I find that fascinating, and I'm glad. Amen. This evening, using some of those scriptures, they did kind of have a little bit of a tie together. And if you look through them, they were all dealing with spiritual growth or spiritual maturity. And this evening, like I said, I don't have a lot of preparation. Um, this evening, I was kind of just, as I was praying, couldn't really get a hold of anything. And honestly, I looked because I thought I could, I even tried to cheat, but... I just didn't feel that God would uh, let me cheat. I have my mother-in-law bought me a book oh, some years ago, and it's got 366 complete sermons with songs and prayers and everything in there. So you could literally just open the book every Sunday and every Wednesday and go down, and it's got a whole, it's got everything. But I just didn't feel right about it. And, you know, this evening I thought that this would be a good time. Brother Morford's not here, so, you know, so I'm kind of in charge. So there you go. That's what happens. <laughs> That's what happens when you leave me in charge. But looking at spiritual maturity this evening, um, I think it was last year when Brother Avery was over in Independence, and he was uh, in the Sunday school class there, and he was talking a little bit about spiritual maturity and uh, of what it means to um, be Christ-like. Um, and one of the things that uh, was, that, you know, he kind of gave a little list. He said, spiritual maturity, um, being Christ-like, to easily do what Christ would do. Um, and that's kind of a hard thing to think about, to easily do what Christ would do, spiritual maturity. He said that spiritual maturity, uh, to be holy, and the notes I have, it says that it was mentioned um, 800 times uh, throughout the Bible, and I didn't count, and I don't know, that's just what he told me, or told the class there, to be Christ-like and to have the character of Christ, not the personality. Now, how can we do this? Uh, there's four different ways that I have written down, and one of them is self-giving love. Spiritual maturity, with spiritual maturity comes self giving love. Now, we can, we, we've talked about love somewhat, and, and even as we're going through the Sunday school class and talking about the different love languages and stuff, it's helped me to realize how people show love. Um, and a lot of times, we, in a, in a church setting, we, we think about those old grandmotherly type people that just seems like they love everybody, and they don't have a negative word. And I think that, at least for me, I, that's kind of the, the thought I have when I think of somebody giving just lovable, self-giving love. But, you know, really, that's not the only type of person that this is pertaining to. Uh, self-giving love, those people that have so much love in their heart that they just want to do something for somebody else. That doesn't mean they're going to have a smile on their face all the time. 
But for them, it just might mean that they're always ready to help you when you need it. One of the things is, you know, you can't love other people if you don't have it in here. If you're empty inside and, and you, it's, you just can't love others. Um, one of the things I've always cautioned, I've seen it, and perhaps you have too, is um, new Christians, new converts. And, and when they just feel the, the change that's within them, they just want to go out. And they want to go out into the, the byways and highways and they want to preach the word and take on the world. But the problem is that, yes, they're changed, but they still need to grow. And it's, it's really dangerous when somebody, uh, new converts, go out there and they try to take on the world on their own because they haven't grown yet. They haven't matured yet. So self-giving love is one of the signs of, of maturity um, when there's enough, so much in here that it just comes out in all that we do, all that they do. And again, it doesn't mean that they're always going to be the ones smiling everywhere, but sometimes they just might be the one that's always faithful. They might be the ones that have the doors open every time they need to be open. There's just something there, a driving force for the love of God. Easy, relaxed obedience. Easy, relaxed obedience. This is one that uh, we love to struggle with. Easy, relaxed obedience. Those words don't normally go together um, unless you see somebody who's mature in Christ. Um, sometimes you see obedience. Sometimes it seems easy, but you don't all see all three together unless you have somebody who's been in the way for a while. They're just the easy, the relaxed, the obedience. They just, they don't mind. You know, things don't go the way pl they're planned. Things don't go uh, as they ought to. God takes them and changes the direction like that. You know what? That takes somebody who's got some maturity. That takes somebody who's been walking with God enough to know, Lord, I know your way is better than mine. I know that you know better than I do. And I don't understand it, but Lord, I'm just going to go with it. Somebody who has some easy, relaxed obedience. Dependence on the Heavenly Father. Um, dependence on the Heavenly Father. And we think this would be a, you know, a no-brainer, so to speak. Um, that you just have a reliance or a dependence on the Heavenly Father. But, you know, really, you know when somebody depends wholly on God. It, it's evident. There, there are people that, you know, they have been walking in the way so long that it seems like they don't have a care in the world, that they just know that God's going to take care of them regardless. That doesn't come with serving God for a year or two. That's, it takes a real relationship and knowledge. One of the reasons I, I like these is because it kind of gives me an idea, kind of a gauge. I like gauges. I like, I like data. I like to be able to compare. That's dangerous, I know. But sometimes I like to kind of get an idea, uh, maybe what I need to work on or what uh, I'm striving for. And this is kind of just a, a way that I can kind of see that. Um, the dependence on God. Or we could even say the dependence on the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's a, there was a pastor by the name of, uh, his last name was Ichabod. I think the first name was Stan, Stanley Ichabod. And he uh, was in church one Sunday, and there was a man that uh, he was praying. And, and as he walked by this man, he, and he heard him and uh, just grieving, just uh, 
praying earnestly. And he looked up at, at him and he said, he said, Brother Ichabod, I, I, my heart is so vile. And this pastor kind of looked at him and he goes, it's more vile than you even know. And just walked off. Now, that's not real encouraging. You know, when you're somebody who's, who's really seeking God and under conviction, if somebody would just come up and say that you're worse off than you think you are, it's not real helpful. And in fact, it kind of stirred up the ire a little bit in this man, and he kind of got a little defensive, but he'd walked off, so he couldn't chase he, I guess he could have chased him down, but he didn't. But he started thinking about that. And he came up to him later. He said, Brother Ichabod, he said, it seems like you know things about us that nobody else does. It seems like you, you know our inner, think, inner, inner thoughts. He said, how is that? And he said, I live by one principle. He says, I try to always consider the Holy Spirit. He said, when somebody comes up to me and says that they're dealing with someone, I just jump on that, or something, I just kind of jump on that and get them to start digging a little deeper right around that area. He says, I always rely on the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's put, got a finger on something in your life and you're telling me, then I'm going to push that a little bit harder. And he says, I've been faithful to that, and God helped him. But reliance on the Holy Spirit. Number four would be moral blamelessness. Moral blamelessness. And we've seen those people. We've seen those people. And if, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, a lot of times people uh, want to point out and they say, well, how do you know that you can walk with God and be blameless and you can do this and live a holy life? It's because we've had examples. I've seen examples. And I've seen those ones that have moral blamelessness. They're just, they're beyond reproach. And I've seen them in my lifetime. I'm trying to be like that. I, I want to uh, attain that. I, I'm still working, and God's still faithful. But I want to grow. I want to grow. Now, I try to make sure that I mind what I do, and I know you all do too. I had a pastor friend, a good friend, actually, and one of the things he said to me he said that would help him is he said everything he does, he always considers his wife and his daughters. He says, I never want to do anything that would embarrass them. And that kind of helps him. You see, there's things in our lives, those things that are precious to us, that we can kind of use them as an incentive, you might say, or something that would help us. And so anytime things are done, we consider these things. And that's one of the things he would tell me. He said, I just, I consider my family. And I try to make sure that everything I do would not bring any of them embarrassment would help to keep me, uh, that's kind of my guide there. There's a, a few notes on the bottom of this that I had, and it says, the pathway to Christ-likeness. Um, one of those would be to know God rightly, uh, the relationship again, to know God rightly. Not our concept, but something, but actually how God really is, how Christ really is. Knowing ourselves. Knowing ourselves will get us a long way into maturity. Knowing those things that affect us. Knowing those things that hinder, or even those things that help us. Prayer. 
And they were remembering two things to always keep in the back of your mind. One, we are defiled and we're damaged. We're not perfect. We never will be. Um, one of the things that goes along there with, with the love and such is I knew a man pretty well who came from a rough home. His mother, they were church people, um, but his mother used to beat him, used to beat the kids, and uh, she had one way of discipline, and that was, that's what it was. She would just beat him. Um, it was a long time before he could ever really show love. In fact, he really didn't know because he never got it in the home. Um, when he had a, a young child, a young boy, then he purposed, he said, I'm not ever going to lay a hand on him like my mother did to me. He said, I'm not going to beat my children. Never did. Doesn't mean he didn't discipline, but he never beat them. But the problem is he was never able to show love as much as he wanted to because it was never modeled to him. Now, he'd seen other people do it, but he'd never experienced that very much. And so uh, his son was a good, well, let's just put it this way. It's my dad. So he, when my dad was growing up, he loved me, and I knew he loved me, and he would hug me and different things, but he had to work on it because it wasn't modeled for him very much. It's not, my grandfather loved him dearly, but because of his upbringing, it was hard for him to express love. And so when my father, uh, you know, had me as a young, young child there, um, you know, he did his best to do a little more than his father did. But you see, it took a couple generations to be able to get past that damage that was done. But something we need to remember is we are damaged. We're not perfect. Don't compare yourselves to someone else just because, uh, you know, maybe there are some things we can look at that we would like to do, but don't compare yourselves on them because their life is different than yours. Their upbringing is different than yours. They have different backgrounds. That can really be detrimental if we start comparing ourselves. Compare yourself to Christ, not to other people. Um, maturity is one of those things that comes by working at it, exercise. Some of you men know, you boys, that you don't get muscles overnight. You have to work at it. Unless you're Jimmy and you might just be you know, born like that, I don't know. But... Uh, you have to work at it. Maturity is the same thing. It's not something that just happens. You have to work at it. And some of you are looking at me and saying, well, I'm still working. No, that's okay. God's patient and God's faithful. And he'll help each one of us to get to the maturity that we need. Well, you still have 10 minutes before 7 o'clock. Like I said, I didn't have a whole lot of time, and I'm not a, I, I'm just a slow, it just takes me a while to get things prepared. So that's, that's part of me, and I, and I guess that's where I understood, I know me. So I could have came up in, or I could have just thrown things out at you, and probably would have rambled on, it wouldn't make any sense. Or I could just do a little bit, what I knew I could do, with the Lord's help, and we'll just say that, We'll just let him do the rest, all right? 
Why don't we stand this evening? Amen. Mr. Dennis, would you dismiss us, please? Amen.